1: yeti i want you to bleep out what i just did just to like tease the audience but i like the (laughs) idea that i just said exactly what's happening on tuesday and my dad's trying to smile it off like i didn't just ruin it (laughs) you know if if you want to ruin it go ahead i wasn't going to but you know
0: this is the greg cody show with greg cody pardon it here's your host greg cody
1: Dad, I think Yo. I heard that you went to the saddest movie premiere in movie history. <laughs> well, it was the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival,
2: the uh, the FLIF, which is a bad acronym, F-L-I-F-F, the FLIF. Yeah. Um, I saw the world premiere of The Senior, the movie we talked about last week, uh, starring Michael Chiklis, where we had on the 59-year-old college football linebacker, Mike Flint, whose life ab- is about this movie and vice versa. And so I saw it. It was a little sad in that, you know, it's not a Hollywood premiere, but
1: it's like what it is. Explain the, the, the being invited to a premiere. Was there a red carpet? Were there photos taken? I love the idea of a photo of you on a red carpet. There, there was a
2: red carpet. There were photos being taken. I don't play that game. So I did not have any photos taken of me on a red carpet. Would you say, no, not for me, please? You like, I mean, you know, you, you had to go to a certain thing and stand up in front of one of these backgrounds with a, film festival logo on it. And I just don't do that. You know, I was schmoozing. I, I talked to a bunch of former dolphins who were there. O.J. McDuffie, my new best friend ever since he had me on his fish tank dolphins podcast.
1: What was the what was the What were like? Did you see were there any sad moments like in the line for popcorn with celebrities? <laughs> actually, Chip Namius, um
2: and I were, were in the line for popcorn, actually. And O.J. McDuffie was, too. And he was behind the line. But he uh, we didn't invite him up to join us and and he didn't ask. So. More like OJ McButtery, right? He buttered the shit out of that popcorn. <laughs> I never noticed cuz he was behind me in the line. But uh bumped into Jeff Cross, bump, bumped into Mark Higgs, two old names that only old Dolphin fans would know. You didn't bump into any of these people. That's true. I didn't. But let me tell you a little bit about the movie. First of all, it it finds a place for one of my favorite early seventies song, Rubber Band Man by the Spinners, which I just
1: love. I love how you went and saw a movie, so you think it's noteworthy to tell everyone about the movie. Just like we got it, <laughs> didn't we? It's about the guy's life that we talked to last week. Great right. episode, by the way. Right. Um, Thank you. great interview. Yeah, you never you didn't listen to it, but uh uh so how did you know i was traveling last week normally i would have listened to it right you never listened to our podcast
0: you had a long flight home look you had time to listen in to me and andrew recording talk ourselves talking about the beatles song but i did chime in on that did you have time to listen to the greg cody show with greg cody
1: uh not this week's episode (laughs)
2: okay christopher you admitted to me that you never listened to this podcast because you think (laughs) you're you're involved in it you're producing it whatever you never actually listen to. I'm um, generally it
1: the final ears that hear it before it goes out. Yeti puts it all together, and I listen to it, and I make some notes, yeah. and I send it off for. Like I hear it every single week, which is why no, I'm not a narcissist, so I don't go back. I, I am subscribed to it because I want to help our numbers. Like I am a subscriber of our podcast. <laughs> if you just don't listen. Do you click okay. download? I every few weeks I will unsubscribe and resubscribe, but, <laughs> but he okay. doesn't.
3: Add and to I the do downloads. sometimes
1: listen to the episode, but like I'm no like you. I don't listen four times once it's been out, like you every week. Okay. I I think Yeti and I agree. We like to listen to it once it comes out. It's a Greg you- thing. You guys are narcissists. It,
0: okay. <laughs> so Greg, I could pile on Chris right here, but like. It, but that would be disingenuous because it's not uncommon for, like, I know he doesn't go back and listen through Levitard episodes right. unless there was something that he needed to pick out for something for the future. That's just too
1: much. I do listen if I think I did something really funny. Like, if I, if I get a lot of comments on something, hey, this now joke. Now he's the narcissist. This joke, like, I had a good joke about Dan and chips, flavored chips, this past week on the Levitard show. So I did go back and I was like, let me hear how that joke sounded. So I I will go back and find things, but I'm not just listening to every single thing of content that I'm a part of. Okay. Uh,
2: Before we go on, and and we have an interesting guest here who I want to talk about. Uh, The
1: Jay Yeah, we got Vivek. And if we got to hold his feet to the fire, because if people find out that we got this guy and we don't hold his feet to the fire, people are going to not be happy with us. Okay, this is not the
2: crackpot uh, uh, right-wing politician oh. with the same first name. It's so a different ta- guy. Who are we talking to? Okay, this guy is Vivek Jay who's an uh, adjunct professor of law at the University of Miami. And he has a law course called Intellectual, Intellectual Property Through the Lens of Taylor Swift, so all my Swifties out there got to listen to this podcast because it's very interesting. But
1: before so we just, get to that. So we're you just pandering to the Taylor Swift name at this point. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Nice. There's no question about that. Nice. We want
2: all the Swifties. We want our K- Kansas city chiefs fans. We want you all because of this. But uh, one more quick comment on this movie. Um, it's corny as hell and it's predictable as hell. And those sound like negative things, but, but <laughs> in this ca- in, in this case, they're not. Look, A lot of the great tearjerker kind of movies, right? Rudy, uh, field of dreams, the sports genre tends to encourage movies like this that are predictable. You, you sort of know the story or feel like you do before you even see it, but it doesn't mean that you don't uh, get a lot out of it. I teared up a couple of times and, and the people in the packed theater, uh, granted, a lot of them probably were patrons of the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival, but people really loved it. It was a standing ovation at the end. Uh, it was a well- done movie. It's not going to win an Oscar, but I think it's going to do do pretty well for whoever the hell is uh, making money from it. That kind of thing. OK?
3: <laughs> Christopher
2: is
1: literally shaking his head and just this last two minutes. It's like, I went to a preview, so I need to give my thoughts on it, and it's it's a movie it It has emotions. It's like I, I don't know what you're even talking about. OK. All right, well what, <laughs> I, what I'm talking about is exactly what I said. what
2: i I'm going to let what I said uh stand on its own okay okay great All
0: shall right. we get to vivek
2: yes <laughs> well we, let's we, go uh, no i want to talk about the
0: miami hurricanes oh Christ. No, he wants to do that now okay <laughs> we want to talk about that on the end after vivek we can do that yes we, we need a palate cleanser after he petered out on uh <laughs> talking about the, the michael flynn move, about the senior okay.
2: <laughs> it, it was uh it was a good analysis by me i was the only one who was there i'm the only one in our audience who's who cares it. who cares we, we
0: should be happy that he went to see a movie chris you this are the is, only one I mean, who cares that is true i mean you haven't been to a movie since uh don't look up and before that it was rocket man and before yeah. that it was like voting day or
1: Election I saw Day. a or, movie i saw a movie this week too but i don't think it's like noteworthy to bring up on the podcast
0: okay because it's
2: probably not a movie that that was a central character in our podcast the previous week that's why See, that's why. But to Yeti's point, (laughs) um, this experience reminded me why I don't like going to movies. Okay, we behind us, there was constant activity behind us. There was a woman in a dark theater with with like a, a little handheld flashlight that she kept using. It was totally annoying. I'd much rather be in my house listening to this movie than surrounded by people I don't know. Totally annoying experience
0: great movie though but that doesn't absolve you from not watching movies altogether because like you said you could watch them in your house but you never do yeah that's something i do want to explore whether <laughs> now or later
2: okay i, I the short answer is I, I think i have a version of adult add like i find it very difficult to sit still and do anything for two hours yeah you you, know, know, you, you walk around I'm, your
1: house even when you're watching a dolphins game like you're in the kitchen you're in the garage like you're <laughs> never just sitting on the couch watching you right game i don't binge
2: watch you know i'm not the kind of guy who can spend an entire afternoon on a couch watching five you know episodes of a of you know black is the new orange uh one after another <laughs> red attack black, black you know is what I mean? the new orange okay i was <laughs> you know, just using that as an example because it's the only uh, thing i could think of that people used to binge watch well it was orange is the new black yes well, orange whatever is the
0: new black <laughs> yep, yep okay yep.
2: okay you, you got my point though all right, let's get to Vivek, huh? Let's <laughs> now. Now he wants to go. <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. Um, we're uh, we're happy to be joined on the podcast today by Vivek Jairam, Jairam, right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, you good. <laughs> Christopher's uh, shaking well, I'm, his head, I'm only
1: laughing like- because before the interview, you like did a whole thing and you nailed it there, and then you. you just- I know. I-
3: <laughs> listen, you're-
1: this is how we roll <laughs> around here.
2: Okay, you could be named John Smith, and I would find a way to mispronounce it, trust me. Don't don't take it personally. Now, this guy, he's a University of Miami uh, adjunct professor of law, and he knows how to market a a, a law class, because this guy, and we're going to find out why, attached the name Taylor Swift to the course he's teaching, with, which I think is absolute brilliance, as we have seen in the NFL this season with Taylor Swift... uh, dating travis kelsey the tight
1: end anything associated with her name is wonderful uh, so, in fact, so what you're saying that is he's doing a class teaching people how to be taylor swift that is a remarkable
2: yeah th- that's what i assume uh, so you have another uh, a bunch of taylor swift wannabes in your class right
3: <laughs> we've got a few fans a few fans a lot of students banana, and a few swifties too
2: okay um now the, the the course is called Intellectual Property Law through the lens of Taylor Swift. Um, I, I think I know the the background of, of of this course and why it's called that. But but you explain uh, why you decided to teach a course in law, uh, which I, I assume is under the broad umbrella of entertainment law, having to do with Taylor Swift.
3: Yeah, no, sure. Uh, well, first, Chris Gregg, thanks for having me on the uh, the pod. Uh, it's it's great to be here. Um, so about a year ago. I was, I think, listening to some other podcast, and I think they, they just announced that Midnights was going to be released. Um, and so there was some early chatter about that record. And just like the week before I was listening to this podcast, I had read about the, um, trademark dispute between Evermore, the theme park, and Taylor Swift. Evermore had, had sued her for, for trademark infringement. And she turned around with the help of some Swifties and uh, sued them for copyright infringement. And so I just finished reading that. And then, you know, the the news, the album came out and also fresh news right around then was her decision to re-record all of her albums, which she's, you know, calling Taylor's version, which is a clever sort of copyright and contract play. So I'm thinking about all these things. And I just mentioned to a a buddy of mine just off the cup, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I bet Um, Swifties know more about IP law than uh, a lot of lawyers do, right? (laughs) And and pretty quickly, I think in the the couple of days that, you know, after that, uh, Greg Levy, who's the Associate Dean at University of Miami Law School, um, and and who kind of brought me on to teach a bunch of IP stuff about eight years ago at the school, and I've been teaching since then, um, I was chatting with him and I said, listen, I've got a kind of out of the box idea, but I think all I've brought to the school have really been these kinds of off-the-wall ideas. So here here's another one for you. And he was very receptive of it because, you know, I think um, Greg and Chris, like since I've started teaching, I've really tried to um bring to the classroom for the students um the opportunity to learn these very sort of conceptual Doctrinal things, right? Like copyright, trademark, trade secrets, patents, these things, which tend to be, um, you know, could be somewhat complex or, 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 or academic in a law school setting or whatever you may say, but showing them how those things apply to hyper relevant, hyper contemporary circumstances that they are likely to encounter in the next couple of years when they leave Coral Gables and come out into the world and start practicing law. And so, you know, I've taught courses on AI and copyright. I've taught courses on. Law Firm Innovation, and I've taught a whole bunch of classes on how to handle a copyright or trademark case in sort of today's contemporary sort of business um, environment. So that's that's just a little bit about the background, how I got there. Yeah, I I, I think it's a
2: brilliant idea. I, I happen to be married to an attorney, and I can tell you that uh, when, when she starts speaking legalese to me, it's it's right over my head. But when she puts everything in layman's terms, as she tries to do when speaking to a jury, Yep. It, it's digestible. It's much yeah. better, you know, on the ear. Yeah. So um, how does Taylor Swift get away with this? How does she essentially re-record all her material and then claim ownership to it when someone else has bought the rights to that material? Uh, it, it, am I putting that correctly?
3: Is that a dumb question? No, it's actually a very kind of, it's a very good question. And it's really one that's not so easy to understand. So I can unpack it just just a little bit. So Every song that you hear, uh, original song that you hear, right? Um, they, they, there, there is copyright. And for music copyright, there's really like, what I, I guess the best way to do it is there's two parts to it. Okay. There's one part, which is the musical composition. So like the song, the melody, you know, the, and of course there's the lyrics and things too. Um, And then there's another side, which is the sound recording. So if we take um the song, say style by Taylor Swift, right? That song will have two parts to the copyright right before she recorded it. One is the musical composition and that musical composition will be owned by Taylor Swift. Because you know, like a Bob Dylan, like an Elliott Smith, somebody like a Phoebe Bridgers, she writes her own songs, right? Right. So she she owns that copyright, and then the sound recording for I used you know style, so that would have been on the nineteen eighty nine record. That label, right, will have will own the sound recording, and that is typical for the label to own the sound recording, and so that's copyright over here. Then you've got the record contract, excuse me, the record deal that she has with. know with 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 her label and so in that contract there will be a provision that allows her to re-record her album right re-record the songs on that record after a certain period of time way down the road right um and and labels started putting that provision into agreements about 60 years ago when the everly brothers uh, decided to leave their label and re-record with Warner Brothers a best of the Everly Brothers. And so that so that's sort of like setting the table. So these kinds of provisions, right, the re-recording option, they're in a lot of contracts. This is not new, right? Like I said, this has been sort of happening for the last 60 years. But if we look at the people that might be put in sort of like the, the category of Taylor Swift, which is a very small category because she is such an extraordinary generational kind of talent, right? But if you look at like, say, a Madonna or um, a Michael Jackson or or somebody like that, right? Those folks may have also had re-recording uh, provisions in their record contracts. But let's unpack what I just said, right? So let's say... um uh, Madonna wants to go re-record, um, you know, the like a version record or something like that, right? She didn't write the song. I don't believe she did at least. And she didn't write a lot of her songs, a lot of bits. Right. Um, but if she didn't write it, she doesn't have the musical composition. So even if she wants to go re-record, she would have to go get the license or some consents right. from the folks who own the, the, the composition, right? So that's like. Yeah, you could do it. Right. But you need gobs and gobs of money and you kind of have to have a good reason as to why you'd want to do that, because you'd essentially be paying for the album just twice. Right? right. So Taylor Swift is in a unique situation because here she is, somebody who has um, a fan base rabid enough to want her to have sort of ownership of everything, ownership and control of everything you've got a songwriter who controls the musical composition. So the minute that she has the opportunity to re-record the sound recording, she's got both parts. And so she can go ahead and do it. And then when she does it, she then owns all the copyright, right? So it's like now she can kind of do whatever she wants with it, you know, apparel and sync rights for movies and commercials and licensing and and all this stuff, right? So, um, and listen, there's plenty of other... Bands and things that, that could do these things, right? I mean, like, there are plenty of songwriters out there, but of course, um, doing it when you're Taylor Swift, uh, just has a much larger impact because as you guys have probably seen now, everybody, you know, the, the, the real fans, so to speak, when they open up their Spotify app or whatever, like they're clicking on Taylor's version because they want her to get the streaming royalties, not the old label who has since has actually sold the rights a couple of times. But so that does that make sense? Could yes. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I appreciate you putting it in layman's terms. (laughs) For
3: sure. And Greg, let me tell you, if if, if a lawyer ever does tell you something and it's too technical and it's not in layman's terms, right, that's on them. Because the law should not be inaccessible, right? So we should be explaining things in really plain terms that anybody can understand.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. Quick, quick aside. This is a, a parenthetical aside. Because because I know a lot of uh, Taylor Swift fans and many of them are men. Many of them are, are my age. Even everybody seems to love Taylor Swift. Are you a Taylor Swift fan?
3: I am. I am. Yeah. I mean, I I think if you ask my my kids, and my wife, that they, they tell you that I do listen to to Taylor Swift, and we all do. Kind of. My my path to her is probably maybe a little bit different than than some others. I mean, I'm a big music fan. I've I've just been listening and playing music, you know, most of my life, and um, I think. When I heard I obviously knew who she was, you know, 15, 16 years ago, probably when everybody else started hearing um about her as sort a, of a country songwriter, pop, pop, pop performer. But you know, when 1989 came out, um, I really liked that record. Um, I, I thought it was yeah. very hooky, catchy. I thought that the incorporation of a lot of the the synthesizers and and things reminded me a lot of um Bands I love like New Order, Public Image, you know stuff like that, and uh, and then you know after she put it out, another songwriter you know who, who since has sort of had some uh, a, a bunch of uh, of uh, of just problems uh, from a PR standpoint with with some of his conduct, but but Ryan Adams, um who 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 did a cover version of that record, is another songwriter, all country songwriter who, who I liked, so I feel like at the time I was really vibing on 1989. And then I also listened to the cover album a bunch. And so all of a sudden I was like, wow, these are just really great songs, whether they're put to a like really highly produced kind of Max Martin um sort of, you know, uh, uh production quality, or even stripped down with just a almost country songwriter like Ryan Adams singing these songs with an acoustic guitar, it still sounded good. And you guys know as well as I do that when a real a song is really well written. It kind of doesn't matter how it's produced, it's gonna sound good cross-genre. You could probably do a reggae version of 1989 and probably start to sound right. great, you know. So so <laughs> good idea. <actually. laughs> yeah. So that, so then after that, you know, I would say over the last five years, like our six years, you know, I I obviously got through her catalog. And then I think when the pandemic hit and, and folklore and evermore dropped, I thought those were two really strong albums. And so just kind of put together, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess I am a fan. <laughs> Well,
2: we're uh, we happen to be recording this uh, with you on the day that the twenty twenty four Grammy nominations came out, and needless to say, Taylor Swift is a is a multiple nominee once again. She always is. Um, what is it about uh, her specific case that set any sort of a precedent? Because I know the, the legal law is is so much about precedent. You mentioned. This isn't particularly new in that the the Everly brothers did this a couple of generations earlier. Um, What is it about how Taylor Swift has done this that is either precedent setting
3: or different than previously done? Yeah, I mean, I think think you can answer this like a few different ways. So I, I don't think it's necessarily that like what she has, like that the cases themselves have become landmark cases necessarily. Um, although I do think that, you know, the, the two shake it off lawsuits, uh, that she defended, I think do are, are often cited for cases where plaintiffs are trying to, um, bring copyright claims for lyrics that are essentially common phrases in pop culture. Uh, and so that is sort of like one thing that that, those cases are sort of known for. But I think the reason I thought, This would be interesting and why she is a good example of, of a lot of this IP stuff is I think it's, it kind of goes hand in hand, Greg, with like how she is in sort of the music industry, right? So she's obviously this, like we were talking about, right? Big generational kind of talent. And I think that that extends beyond her music and then into the business and into the law of, of music, right? And so by that, I mean, you know, here's somebody who has just done so much that she's had copyright lawsuits. Trademark lawsuits has had all kinds of trademark prosecution, uh, uh, issues, like trying to get trademark registrations for, um, for lyrics and things like that. Um, she's had paparazzi issues. She's had the re-recording. She had her music on and off of Spotify sort of making a statement, right? And so I think, you know, in music, you may see this as Taylor Swift and in contemporary art, there are artists like, uh, Daniel Arsham, who, uh, you know, also sort of is just a generational talent, but because of the sort of, multifaceted work, like, you know, for Taylor, it's crossing over genres, it's building this huge audience. I think for Daniel and contemporary art, it's like this riding the line between fine art and commercial art. I think in fashion, you can look at a lot at what like um, a lot of the LVMH brands have done, you know, with, with, or even off-white with Virgil Abloh. These people who are just sort of like these polymath kind of creatives who are doing so many things also find themselves encountering a wide variety of intellectual property issues because they're creating so much in sort of a novel way. And then as a result, taking that IP and also then commercializing it in very sort of new and interesting ways, right? So all of the, that is why you get these kinds of people who have experienced sort of an unusual amount of, uh, I guess, issues in the IP arena. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does make sense. Um. What's the
1: oddest interaction, uh, like with Swifties that you've had since creating this course, or like requests like this? Like, what's that one where you're just like, "Wow!" I I put her name in a course, and now this person's reaching out to me.
3: Oh man, there's been so many, but I'm just going to tell you the most recent one, which probably happened a couple of hours ago, is I got an email from somebody uh, in the Caribbean, um, who she's an undergraduate student, um, and she's thinking about the law, and she asked me how much she could pay. And what she has to do to be able to audit this class, uh, the, you know, through the years of Miami, we've gotten so many audit requests. We've gotten, you know, all, all these kinds of things. I, I've gotten a bunch of DMs on Instagram and things of people like thinking maybe I was her lawyer or that I was sort of connected to her some way, which I'm not. Uh, so, so, you know, but, but I, I got to tell you though, it, it's sort of like been a very interesting journey, um, putting a, the class together, doing the research and then presenting the class and now seeing sort of some some media uh, attention to the class, because I think it just underscores, Chris, like how I personally believe, and I, I really do believe this, and this is somebody who's been, you know, like you guys, have been listening to a wide variety of music last 30 or 40 years. Um, I, I just don't think we've seen anything like this. And I think the reason um, is because if we look at those folks I mentioned before, and you can add some others, right? Like a Paul McCartney, Madonna, Michael Jackson, um you know, like a Bob Dylan, Dolly Parton, you know, all of these, but Beyonce, Kanye West, even, right, all of these people, right? Um, I think it is due to her masterful navigation of internet culture, right? Because in addition to the superstardom that she has, which you know, this small cadre of, of other musicians have, you know, they're able to get yeah. hundreds of millions or billions of streams. They're able to sell out stadiums. They're able to sell merch. They're able to be uh sort of whatever, Super Bowl, Saturday Night Live, like all the big stuff, right? We've got other people who've done those things, but I don't think we've ever seen anyone do all of those things squarely in the internet age with such sort of um like... Uh, the ability to sort of strategize and navigate the 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 new sort of digital world that that we are all now sort of living in
2: yeah, she's obviously a brilliant businesswoman. I think I just read that she's uh a billionaire now that she's yeah. over that threshold and um it it's just incredible what she's been able to do. Can you take a wild guess um how large her legal team must be
3: <laughs> well, you know um I, you know, I, I don't even know if it's how large, right? She's probably, it's probably just a, a, if I had to guess, I bet you the core team is probably just a few, a small handful of folks who, um, you know, are specialized in various areas and maybe one or two people who are just kind of looking out for everything. But I bet you it is people who are close to her, connected with her and who have probably been with her for a very long time. Um, you know, in fact, when I, when I saw the heirs, uh, to her film. And yeah, I did see it. And I, I think I saw it the first week it came out. Same. <laughs> Same. All right. Um, I think one thing that a couple of things that really came through in that film is, I mean, I think you see some of the musicians on the stage with her have been with her since the Nashville days. Right. Um, I think if you read about her management. No, a lot of it is new and evolved, but I think some of those folks have been around a very long time. Um, and I think anytime you see uh a creative, whether it's in, you know, art or fashion or 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 film or or music or whatever, I I have found just my personal anecdotal experiences. I think in working with these kinds of people who have who have achieved a great deal of success, it oftentimes is because they have um, you know, strong family unit or strong um management team. Not that it's like a management team that's like all uh, gone to Ivy League schools and have lots of degrees and things, but just people who have been with her and know her and understand her for a long time. And I think that that's important, especially for a performer who started when she was so young.
1: You mentioned not having any association with her, but I, w- I am curious when you put her name in a course, do you get any contact from her camp? Do you need any permission? Can, I- can you name a course after anyone?
3: <laughs> you can. And that is really due to the U.S. Copyright Act. Okay. Um, under the Copyright Act, um, there is this doctrine and a concept called fair use. And fair use is the um, is the concept that you can actually use other people's intellectual property for certain purposes. Um, the most common one that, you know, you guys know about, uh, it happens every Saturday night at a, you know, uh, on NBC, which is Saturday Night Live, right? Uh, so on Saturday Night Live, you'll see trade right. copyright, and all kinds of things for an hour and a half every week. And that's because of fair use, because fair use allows parody and satire to exist. And you can use third party IP for that. In this instance, you know, my class is not a parody. It's not a satire, but it is, um it, it, it's teaching, right? So it's academic. And so there are additional carve outs for news reporting, journalism, and also for acad- academia, right? So um, that's why, you know, when I was a Sophomore at the University of Wisconsin in Madison back in the late 90s, uh, they they released a course all on the Beatles, which I took, um, which I thought was amazing. And you know that 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 course, like mine, was you know uh, filled with Beatles IP that 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 the professor was able to freely use. So no contact
1: yeah. from her from her people, like you.
3: No 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 contact. Um, you know I get I get I get hit up by some of the fan the fan clubs uh, the right fan, but her things.
1: official team has not been like hey what are you what are you teaching in this course.
3: Not, not, not from the official team, no.
2: Well, because of the immense popularity of Swifties, uh, TV ratings for Chiefs games have gone through the roof just... Yeah, I know. It's like crazy. It's crazy. It, it's insane. And I'm wondering uh, if you... I'm, I'm speaking off the top of my head here, but if you broadcast intellectual property law through the lens of Taylor Swift, if you broadcast each of your classes <laughs> on YouTube, you would have two or three million built-in
1: live and, viewers and i'm telling you the greg cody show is prepared to go into business with you we have a youtube channel like we can team up if like you're ready for <laughs> we will this. host
2: that if you decide to broadcast your course live uh I, i'm i'm half I'm, I'm half kidding and half serious here i don't know the legality greg. of that
3: whether um would go along with it no well listen i mean you know we we they're, they're, I don't know if, I, if you ever go along with it, but I think you're you're you really are hitting on something, Greg, which is that like you know, there was just an article the other day in um, the Fashion Law, which is a really good sort of publication for IP in the sort of like creative spaces. And, um, and sounds
1: like a, sounds like a real light read.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it, it's cool, and it's like it, it, what they were talking about there is just the current just um, insatiable appetite that the brands have right now to just be anywhere in the orbit of Taylor Swift, right? And and if you just look, I mean, she doesn't do a whole lot of brand collaborations and commercials and things like that. So I think that has almost created an even bigger appetite. I mean, it, it's it, it has been a very interesting experience to just see how anything with her name attached to it in any way, even something as what I would consider like as sort of banal as like a law school course. Tends to get so much attention. It's almost like the public and the media—they're—they're just—they're just—they're just just pining for like any any tidbit they can they can get uh, on Taylor Swift. Yeah, no,
1: no, I I have a follow-up. And can you talk about the demand? On that note, how fast did this class sell uh, book up as opposed to other classes? Like, is it the same with even these classes? Are you seeing like is there a waiting list for this class
3: and like none other? Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been teaching eight years and, you know, most of the classes will fill up and and some, you know, like the AI course I taught last semester, which is also very popular, like fill up quickly. This one filled up immediately and has like a, you know, uh, Waitlist like as long as US one. You know?
1: <laughs> and is it something where like after the first class you kind of just get into the nuts and bolts and they're looking around like I thought this was going to be more about Taylor or is it like or are you harping on her specifically every class or is it just kind of like this is what she did so let me teach you about this and you don't actually mention Taylor that often?
3: No, no, it's 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 the opposite. Listen, like I know I I know what the audience wants. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so you're and, putting and lyrics. You
1: want- how many? How often are you dropping lyrics in? Oh, yeah, no, and
3: we're listening to music every single class. Like she's she's mentioned on every slide because every single every single subject is about something for like direct, like her career, right? And I say that kind of jokingly, Greg, but I mean it, right? Like you we want to get the students' attention. We want them engaged because when they when they get excited, you know, when they walk into class and I just have Taylor Swift Music playing, it puts them in a specific frame of mind. When we start going through the courses, like let me give you an example in copyright class in law school, right? This sort of one of the seminal cases, which teaches you that you can't copyright ideas, comes from this, or copyright facts, comes from this I, uh, case called Feist, which is all about like yellow pages, like the phone book, okay? Um, guess how many of my students even know what a phone book is, right? Zero. So guess how many of them Amazing. Know Taylor Swift song is? All of them. So is it easier to learn this 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 material through some archaic book that used to list people's phone numbers or through like songs and, and stories that they are very, very, very familiar with. Right. So that's the idea is sort of that, which is to bring this material to life in a way, in a, in it by, you know, in a context that they don't only understand, but then will have the capacity to apply more effectively than, you know, maybe what is otherwise usually offered.
1: I'm trying to think of what songs you play each day. And I'm imagining like on when, the, when exam grades are it's, you know, shake it off maybe. Cause in case you didn't do well, <laughs> or like on the, on test day, maybe it's bad blood just cause it's like an intense song. <laughs> like, like, how do you, like, are we doing this? Like, what are we doing on the first day of class? Like, what's the song we come out of the gate with?
3: So like, you know, I told you I have a 1989 fans so fans. Usually the music that they have playing when they come in is like, something off in of 1989
1: okay bad blood i think is on there yeah
3: but but the first class was mainly shake it off which we listened to yeah. once because we also then listened to the jesse bram song um which which was the basis of his lawsuit against her uh okay. the second class we we i think they were, we were listening to out of the woods when they walked in yep. the room but then there we go uh, i think we listened again to shake it off and we listened to the 3lw song uh, which, you know, they sued her for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and listen, like even some of the judges' opinions in these, in these cases, right? Are the one, uh, dismissing the, um, I believe it's dismissing the Bram case, uh, initially, or it was the real W case. I think it was the Bram case. The whole conclusion to the opinion is just laced with Taylor's lyrical references, right? Oh, that's, so that's wild. the thing, right? It's just become um, just such a phenomenon culturally that like we're all just kind of, we're all just kind of on this train.
2: <laughs> uh, Vivek uh, Jaram from uh, University of Miami Law School, adjunct professor. Uh, when you first started floating the idea of incorporating Taylor Swift into the name of a course you're going to teach, what initial reaction did you get? Either from family, from friends, from colleagues, was anyone scoffing and and assuming you weren't serious, or was everybody like way on board?
3: I, I'm sure a lot of people were. I think some people were. Um, there's I'd say there's three camps, right? There's the camp people are like, ah, Taylor Swift, you know, she's just a teeny bop kind of, you know, pop star kind of thing. And then when you start explaining, most of those people will be like, Yeah, I really like her too, right? Uh, so right, that's the first camp. Second camp would be um, I think like the 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 administration and the faculty and things at at UM, right? Um, I think when I when I, when this program first launched back in 2016, um you know, I think I had some conversations with people to be like, listen, we're going to we're going to really try to, like, push the boundaries here and really get the students excited about some of the courses they're going to have. And they're going to be a little bit sort of off the wall or whatever. Um, And I got to tell you, the university has been extremely supportive, open. And this program and Greg Levy's particularly have done a, such a great job of really bringing sort of contemporary issues into the law school in a way that you just don't typically see and i think we are now already starting to see the 8 or 9 years that this program has been around the impact that it has had uh and the opportunities that it has uh, opened for the for for the students when they get out there in the real world so i have to say the um has been extremely Supportive, and then you know there there's 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 like the group of like my lawyer friends, like law school friends and colleagues at, at work and things like that who were like, "Oh, Taylor Swift, oh, oh, that makes sense, right? Because <laughs> you think about it, you're like, well, yeah. Here's somebody who has been a part of so many interesting IP issues over the last ten or fifteen years. Why couldn't you, treat, you know, teach a course on it? So, um, and this doesn't mean that she's the only person you could teach a course on. There's 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 several, but I do think that hers is. Particularly, I mean, even while we're teaching the class, right? This Ares film comes out and she kind of breaks all the rules of like film licensing in the middle of the strike and goes directly to the theaters and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, it's just kind of, um, I don't know. It's just like, it it just keeps going, you know, in, in that direction.
1: Here's a suggestion I have is to put Taylor's name in the course that you're struggling to fill up the most and then just like, you know, play a song when they walk in every day and, you know. Just teach your course, but I bet you totally. we will see a bump yes. in those classes as well. So,
3: I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, you know, we could just maybe, we'll maybe next semester, yeah, you know, maybe we'll say we'll teach. Uh, maybe we'll just be Barbie. Maybe we'll do Barbie. Yes, there the we anymore. go.
1: There we go. <laughs> we're we're gonna let you go, but I, I want to maybe the Greg Cody up. show. Maybe the Greg Cody show. Sure. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah.
2: Intellectual property law through the lens of Greg Cody. I just <laughs> yeah. don't think that would have the same. I don't know appeal. I don't know. Campus. Let's test maybe. it. Let's test it. But you know what? Taylor Swift, her and, and I think this is part of the reason why she's so immensely popular, is that despite that popularity, there's a mystique about her. Her yeah. brand management is brilliant. And and I don't know how I suspect that's very calculated, but I've seen more TV commercials with Dion Sanders in the last three months than I've ever seen with Taylor Swift. She's just she's very mindful of how she
1: manages her career and 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 part of that is is well, when you make when you make a hundred million a tour or whatever she made I don't even know probably more than that but like it's just you don't need to do the commercials, Dad. No, I know, but some some would anyway, though.
2: Yeah,
3: you but know, I hear you, Greg. Because she what she's done a really great job of is she's she's in the zeitgeist. She's part of the conversation all the time. But she's you're right. She's not like in your face. She's not popping up on your feed and really like sort of you know like ways that you know seem sort of like forced or anything like that. Right. It seems casual, uh, but we know that it's obviously curated and it, it just seems natural. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's wild. It's almost, it does remind me in many ways of, you know, for obvious reasons. And I'm not, obviously not the first person to make this, uh, analogy, but it is a little Dolly Parton-ish, which is like, she's just kind of become, um, you know, like an, the kind of icon that, that all kinds of people, uh, support, which I think. Yeah. Is kind
1: of do you think no. her and her and Travis will make it?
3: <laughs> uh, no, but I uh, to 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 Greg's point, I I think um you know listen uh the most popular person in the NFL this year is Taylor Swift, so yeah. she's she's right. definitely um done a pretty good job of like going from. Country and then moving over, getting all like the mainstream and then the indie rock and then like the hip hop and the main, you know. And now she's deciding to also gobble up the NFL uh, audience too. And so I, and I personally believe that that I'm not saying that that's like the only reason or that's why she's, you know, dating Travis Kelsey, but I, you know, maybe it lasts forever. Who knows? But,
1: right. um, Well, we're trying to test that theory with putting a big headline of taylor swift class uh professor in this episode so we're going to test this theory awesome. let's see if this is by far our most downloaded episode of the year thank you can we thank okay. you well, let welcome. us thank you beforehand so you're
3: welcome.
1: <laughs> yes
2: in, in all seriousness congrats for um uh, tapping into the popularity of taylor swift in a way that's absolutely legitimate and and directly related to law it's a uh, it's a, it's a great inspiration by you, and uh, I'm, I'm glad it's uh, worked out with a full class.
3: Oh, thank you so much, Greg. it, it yeah. it's been great to be here. Thank you for having me, Chris. Enjoyed it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: And now a poem about Sheets and Giggles by Yeti Blanc. Ah, Sheets and Giggles, a company with care. For this planet, for cool sheets, and for The Greg Cote Show. See what I did there? Love of Earth and holidays convene to birth the year's biggest sales now through November 17. Yes, Green Friday brings a sheetload of deals, like up to 50% off. That sounds like a steal. Then add 10% off with promo code GREEN at sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Please help us feel seen. Support our friends who support this show in quality rest. With cooling sheets, mattresses, and pillows, they are simply the best. Green Friday deals can boost your sleep habitat. Then you can use the money you save to buy a nice hat. So go to sheetsgiggles.com slash greg, code green. Huge discounts and commitments to keep our earth clean. The end. Support The Greg Cody Show by supporting our friends at Sheets and Giggles. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Dad, after that interview, I really need you to just tease this week's episode of The Levitard Show because I don't want to get to Three Facts Jack.
2: Okay, so you're just delaying the inevitable with Three yes. Jack. Jack. Right. Okay, something is happening uh, on Tuesday's Levitard show. I'm in there. Uh, Ron McGill is going to be in the studio doing his Tuesday uh, Ron Hell McGill yeah. bit. And it's it concerns our new book that's coming out, The Pride of a Lion, which a dropped big December announcement? 5th. A big announcement about your book? It's, it's a book-related big event that people Ooh. will want to listen to. I don't want to give it away because that would be a disservice to uh, The Levitart Show, because they're, they're billing it as sort of a
1: surprise, I think. But if you're into the Ron McGill and Greg Cody book, you want to be tuned in this Tuesday. Correct. Look at us. I can say that with, uh, with
2: very uh, good intention and a straight face. What a pro-tease. Thank you. Pro-tease. So the book... The book... You're going to studio though i have no idea i mean you know that even if i even if that was even if that was the big surprise
1: i certainly wouldn't be the one to reveal that yeti i want you to bleep out what i just did just to like tease the audience but i like the <laughs> yeah. idea that i just said exactly what's happening on tuesday and my dad's trying to smile it off like i didn't just ruin it <laughs> you know I mean, if, if you want to ruin it go ahead i wasn't going to but you i know. was hoping you'd honestly get more mad at me that would have mm-hmm. been a better podcast moment if like he I mean, were, if you were like, just like, called like, him an asshole and genuinely off. upset mm-hmm. right i okay, did that well.
2: Hey, that kind of thing.
1: You know all what right. I'm well, I guess we're just all going to peter out the whole episode. No, <laughs> I'm not petering out. I'm petering in. Oh, well, what I'm doing. <laughs>
2: Baby. Right on. Where's my right. Three Facts Jack uh, intro music? Just f- hit it.
0: There are three things that interest him, so sit right back for Three Facts Jack.
2: Number three. Neil Diamond's iconic 1969 hit, Sweet Caroline, was written in honor of his then-wife, Marsha. But fans in stadium singing Sweet Marsha would not have sounded right. He needed a three-syllable name, recalled a photo of a young Caroline Kennedy riding a horse, and Sweet Caroline was born.
0: Huh. I, feel, I feel like we're in repeats. That Oh, wow. You have said
2: something like that very recently. Yeah. <laughs> I want to research that, because if that's a fact, Jack, if, if that was something I've already done... We're going to have I, to suspend this I want too. to plead guilty publicly, and if that was not something i've already done then
1: yeti will apologize publicly okay is, uh, is that fair but like that like the worst punishment you could do to yeti if that is something he did wrong is make him go back and listen to all the three, <laughs> three <laughs> facts jacks okay then, then there you go either like way he has to, to, to do that if yeti ends up to be right you're gonna have to go back and push do a punishment because of what you made him do in mm-hmm. listening to all okay the three well facts let's, let's get to the bottom of this because if i have
2: repeated myself which I try never to do on Three Facts, Jack. I deserve to be called out. So
1: you are going to make Yeti listen to all the Three oh, Facts? Yeah. Well, he's the one who. Well, I'm just going
0: to do it because I won't be able to go to sleep tonight, yeah. wondering about it. Okay, I have, accused, like I have been accused. I have been
2: accused of self-plagiarism by Yeti Blanc, and we're going to get to the bottom of I this. I think we
1: should just go with our audience's recollection and just put out a poll. Did Craig, has Greg Cody used that fact before?
0: Oh, Rage will be
1: faster to it than anybody. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I
2: I want to, seriously, I want to find out for sure. Okay, let's move on. Number two, the original U.S. naval armament consisted of a six-vessel fleet. One of those ships, and one only, that launched from Boston Harbor on October 21st, 1797, the USS Constitution remains in service as the oldest commissioned warship still afloat, called Old Ironsides. It is presently grounded for mast repairs, but remains on active if largely symbolic duty at 226 years old nice 3 years younger than greg cody <laughs> the <laughs> number 1 the human eye typically measures about an inch across by adulthood ever wonder what's the largest eye in the animal kingdom it belongs to the colossal squid whose eye has been measured at 11 inches wide that's right an eye that's nearly a foot right
1: on <laughs> There you go. Really missed that segment.
0: <laughs> well, I did not do, I have not repeated the colossal squid fact. I can tell you that. What I love about Chris's disdain for Three Facts Jack is he's the one who coined it. Chris, yeah. this, I mean, you you I spawned did. the idea, I know. made me go get, make some imaging or get, yep. inspired me to make imaging. And I here just, we are. I, just, I, I mean, I guess
1: I
2: can't complain about those. The first one was And whole, he's also, but... he's also, Christopher is the guy who suspended dad jokes which are off suspension and will return on the episode we do closest to Thanksgiving, there which was, I believe will be the following week.
1: Nothing, I, nothing I've ever done has gotten more praise than that. <laughs> what, suspending suspending dad,
0: jokes? dad jokes? I've
1: gotten so many texts and letters. People have written hand, <laughs> handwritten letters. Yeah, sure. Some they have. guy sent me his baby. He's like, you can have my baby since you Maybe. did that.
0: Brace yourselves, everyone, because next week, dad jokes are back, right? Have the big
2: reveal on whether or not I repeated myself on dad joke uh, or in three facts. Jack, number three this week, the Neil Diamond uh, bit.
0: True. So so to ease things, though, for everyone who isn't a fan of dad jokes, we're going to do I mean, there will be a uh, I mean, we've got sales all month. We're on sale, baby. On sale. On sale. I mean, this week, just today, starting the 13th, when you're listening to this, there's 20% off everything at shop.thegregcodeshow.com, the 13th through the 17th. So that's Monday through Friday. And on Black
1: Friday, 30% off everything. Nice. That's our biggest sale of the year, folks. Biggest sale, folks. (laughs) Biggest sale of the year. 30% off. Get yourself a nice hat. Buy your friend a nice hat. We have new color combos that I saw that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So How about that? Good stuff. Make sure we hit there. Hey, Florida State beat Miami. Woohoo! Oops.
1: <laughs> Christopher, what are your thoughts on that game? Um, my thoughts are that it was a very meaningful game for Florida State, not a very meaningful game for Miami. So that actually made me feel like Miami had a chance. Um, they were out of it, back in it. Uh, classic Miami, kind of teasing you, making you think they have a chance, and then just taking a big fart at the end. Yeah, I
2: I, I wrote a remarkably positive column um on the fight uh um showed and and how good that young quarterback looked until he got hurt at the end how's the column going over Henry williams it's doing it's doing pretty well thanks it's uh my my biggest selling column uh so far this month has been the one where i said jim harbaugh his suspension is not enough and they should uh bar michigan from competing in the college football playoff
1: yeah let's punish those kids for what kids for what please he did. Oh,
2: kids <laughs> yeah that's correct let's punish those kids that's exactly right yeah Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way you you make a statement that matters is if you punish the school to the tune of costing it money
1: if you're coaching a little league soccer team and you get a dui on the way to the the this the field the team the team season should be forfeited yeah
2: good analogy by you um okay Listen, we're going to wrap up this podcast now. We're wrapping it up like a Christmas gift. Okay. How about that? Good. Just like the gift you're going to wrap when you buy a nice hat T-shirt from the Greg Cody merch store. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Vivek uh, J. seriously, from UM Law School for joining us to talk about uh, why Taylor Swift is relevant in a law class. And very interesting convoy thought. So uh, thanks a lot. That kind of thing. And we'll uh, see you all next
1: week. Dad, take us out with a Taylor Swift jam. I couldn't begin to
2: hum one, let alone no one. Really? Yeah. I can can sing a little bit from Rubber Band Man
1: by The Spinners if you want. Shake
2: it off. Shake it off. Okay. Shake it off. Shake
0: it off.
1: I don't know about about you. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling...
0: Okay. Someday I'll be living in the big big old old city city and and all you're ever gonna gonna be is is me. Yeah, someday I'll be thinking it.
1: you're
2: ever going
0: to be is me.
2: Why you got to be so mean? That's not bad. That's a pretty good song. Good night, everyone. All right. Likewise. Like nothing. See ya.